Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Verses. And as we begin this morning, I'd like to, to just think in your mind, when you sit down and say grace before a meal, what types of things do you say? When you sit down and say grace before a meal, what types of things do you say? When I was a kid, I learned how to say it as fast as possible because there was food on the table and I didn't want it to get cold and I wanted to be able to eat as much as possible. What do you say when you say grace? We're going to come this morning to the second letter to the church in Corinth and looking at the first 15 verses of chapter 4. Paul writes, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. Pay close attention to this last verse. All this is for your benefit, Paul writes, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. May God add God's blessing the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. We, we really do want to be like you. And we're so far from there. Help us this morning to hear your voice. To hear your word. And to apply your word to our lives that we would become more like you. Open us up to your presence. Help us to see your glory. Help us to respond to you. Thank you Lord Jesus for being here for sharing your love with us this morning. Father, I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so, Lord, would you receive all the praise and the glory for this I ask and we ask in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, when you sit down at the table... And you say grace, 
What kind of things do you say? I'm going to start with the balcony this morning. They're always left out, and I, I hate leaving out the balcony. Balcony, what do you say when you sit down at the table and say grace? The food and the day, amen. All right. Good, good, good. What about down here? What, what, do, you, what do you say when you say grace? When you sit down and right before a meal, what do you, what do you say? You think of people that are hurting. Good. Someone else? Thanks for family. Good. How about over? Oops, one more time. For the daily bread. Yes, what about here? What do you say when you? For being with us. Oh, yeah, good, good. Anyone else want to share? Yeah. All the blessings we receive. Yes. And, and that's usually, oh, one more. Brian? There you go. Good, Daryl. I'm, I'm glad Daryl shares, and thanks God for the food that he gives us. And it's amazing, isn't it? When we, when we think of Thanksgiving, uh, our focus is usually on the things we have received, right? Uh, I, I love that, that, uh, that countdown timer. I know you see it every Thanksgiving. Uh, and so if you've been here a few years, you're like, oh, I've seen that one before. Although you all still laugh when the guy's false teeth goes in the gravy. I noticed that. Uh, but, but to me, the, the incredible part of that is how much uh, this young girl thinks uh, of God, that God would give so much to her. And, and, and I love when she says, uh, thank you for, I think it's the bike, and she says, oh, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just there's something about that that just that that innocence thanking God for all the things that she's received and she can't she can't stop because she keeps thinking of more things that she has received and that's usually our focus at Thanksgiving we thank God for all the blessings we have received but this morning uh, for this year our season of Thanksgiving I'm going to ask us to change our focus a little bit and if you noticed in the bulletin you may recognize where our focus is going. Did anybody notice that this morning? Anybody read the bulletin or look at the bulletin? If you looked at the bulletin, did you notice the title? Yeah, pull it right out and you, you know, hey. It says giving thanks. And notice what's in capitals. The word giving. This year when we talk about thanksgiving, we're going to be talking about giving thanks. Because I believe that God has given us things, not just for us to thank Him, but for us to use for Him. We've spent a lot of time thanking God for all our blessings, and we believe that all our blessings are for us. The truth of the matter is that all our blessings are not for us. They're so that we can share. Look with me real closely once again at that 15th verse. Just so important. The Apostle Paul writes this, all this is for your benefit. He's talking about all the things that he has received, and they are for the benefit of the church at Corinth. Now, this is his second letter to the church at Corinth. And you, you all are biblical scholars, so I know you remember that his first letter to Corinth answered a bunch of questions that the Corinthians had. They obviously had sent him questions. And he is going through and he's answering these questions. And some of these questions are really in your face. I've got to talk loudly because God's making it rain hard. 
fill in our wells and other things for which to give thanks. Uh, and, and so uh, the Apostle Paul has answered some very difficult questions, and some of those questions regarded a conflict between people in the church, and he has come down very strong and very hard as to who is in the right and who is in the wrong based on the Word of God and based on the Spirit of God speaking through him. And you can read that for yourself. There are a lot of problems in the church of Corinth, and, and the Apostle Paul uh, didn't mince any words. He just throws it out there. Well, you can imagine that endeared him to a number of people at the church of Corinth. Of course, they all took it and said, oh, yes, this is from God, and we accept it, right? That's not the way uh, punishment is usually received, is it? Or challenge is usually received. Uh, Frequently, when we are challenged, the first thing we do is throw up walls and say, well, wait a minute. God, I, you know, hey, I, I don't know that I'm that bad. Or uh, like Mark was saying, when, when we ask God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And he reveals that to us. We frequently say, eh, God, I'm not so sure I want to do that. Uh, oh, that we would be uh, pliable and open to the Spirit of God. And whatever he said, just jump into it. But frequently we, 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 we hold back. And the same thing happened, of course, in Corinth. And so a number of people in Corinth began to challenge whether Paul had any right to tell them what to do anyway. And, and they began to challenge him. And, and I can imagine why. I mean, have, think about it. The Apostle Paul spent most of his time in jail. Have you read the book of Acts? Every time you turn around, he goes to jail. Oh, how easy it would be if you were being challenged by Paul to say, well, wait a minute, what what does he have to say? He spends most of his time in jail. And you expect me to to be open to the the challenge of a, a person who spends most of his time in prison? Uh, uh, there were still those who were judging one another. Well, you accept Paul's word? Well, that's you. I prefer to accept what I've been taught from day one. Okay, I got to tell this story because this is too good. (laughs) When I was in Livermore Falls, I was asked to speak at a, uh, a church that um, was a part of a, a historic, um, what they call it? Uh, it was Living History Farm is what it was. And it was uh, the um, uh, flower people um, the, that make flour. Um, anyway, it was their farm. Which was? Pillsbury, yeah. And, and anyway... Um, Anyway, uh, I don't have time for this story, but this is just too good. So, so there was a church on their property that actually was a, a universalist church uh, back in the day. And um, the person who was in charge of the board of this um, museum, Living History uh, Farm, um, was Baptist, and she asked me to, to speak at their festival. So I went, and I, I, I got up, and I had done some research about the universalists in the 1800s. And the universalists actually preached frequently about hell, and, uh, and so um, it was storming to beat all when I got there, uh, raining like it is now. And I got up and I began to preach. And, and then I, 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 I had in my sermon a lot about hell and the wrath of God. And I mentioned the wrath of God and just then, kaboom, the whole building shook. <laughs> I love it when God is right on cue. 
<laughs> See, God is so good. I mean, I, uh, he is just so good. Um, so anyway, when, when Paul is thought of in the Corinthian church, not everybody thought he was a good person. Not everybody thought he was speaking of God. Not everybody thought he was someone that they should listen to. As a matter of fact, they became very judgmental of him. And he found himself writing this second letter, trying to defend his ministry, really, and defend the, the right he had to share with them who God is and what God was saying. And so he spends a lot of 2 Corinthians uh, proclaiming what God has done in his life and how God is working through him and wants to share with them uh, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what we see is, is we still have people in the church in Corinth missing what the gospel of Jesus Christ is really all about. They're missing the truth. And the Apostle Paul is trying to make that desperately clear. He wants them to see, above all, that that what God is calling us to is something that's so incredible that, that people have a hard time even believing that it's possible. You see, the Apostle Paul wants us to see that what God is creating in us is something that goes beyond anything you could ever hope for or imagine. What God is offering us is the gift of grace. The gift of grace. Grace is this incredible gift that God offers us and and it comes to us um, without expectation. And the Apostle Paul wants you to begin to see what grace is all about. Did you see what what he says there? He says this. He says that he made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. If you want to see grace, you have to begin to look at Christ. And you have to begin to look at Christ through the eyes of God. And I say that because uh, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that if you try to look at Christ through the eyes of the world, it will be dist- he will look distorted and you will not understand what God's glory is really all about. For when you look at Christ through the eyes of the world, it makes absolutely, he makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And the reason is because the God of this age, the God of this world, has made our eyes look at Christ from a distorted point of view. So the Apostle Paul says, I want to make this perfectly clear. Perhaps I can give you an example. When I was a kid, um, I, I used to really love the circus. And I know some of you have been afraid of clowns your whole life. Uh, however, I always thought clowns were the best part because the clowns would come in early on in the circus and they would come in and they'd all be crammed in this little vehicle and the vehicle would stop and they'd all just kind of fall out and they'd run into each other and they'd laugh and they made me laugh and I wanted to laugh. I like to laugh. The scripture says laughter does good like medicine. I believe that and and I love to laugh And, and so I loved the clowns. Now some of you were afraid of clowns. I'm sorry. But I love the clowns. This is Bozo. How many of you remember Bozo the clown? Yeah, you all are old. Just saying. 
Oh, you study history, Kenny. <laughs> All right, that works. Uh, Bozo the clown, crazy clown, made you laugh. That's what clowns were supposed to be all about. Do you know what the world has done with clowns? I mean, if you've been watching the news lately, you've discovered that, that many communities have actually banned dressing up like a clown for Halloween this year because there are people going around in, in clown costumes hurting people, uh, accosting people, stealing from people. You know, the sad part is um, a lot of people don't know who Christ is because they look at Christians or people who call themselves Christians. And those Christians do anything except express who Christ is. And I would suggest to you the greatest thing that is missing in many believers' lives is the, is the incredible gift of grace. They've looked at grace as something that they have received for themselves so that they can be somebody special. And certainly that's what grace does, doesn't it? It, But they have not used that grace to look at Christ to see who Christ really is. Let me show you, for instance, in, in the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah shares with us who the Messiah, who Christ is. Uh, you remember Isaiah 53. Uh, Verses 2 through 5, important. He says this, he, that's the the Messiah, the suffering servant, grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. You understand that? Our world is all about the outside, what it looks like on the outside. But if you look with the eyes of God, you don't look at the outside. There was nothing about Christ on the outside that drew people to him. It was all that was on the inside that drew people to him and to his love and to his grace. And that's the same today. He says this, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A suffering, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. And our world today spends a lot of time talking about the foolishness of Christianity and the foolishness of Christ. And they don't esteem him at all. And we look at Christ, and when we talk about what we receive from Christ, we talk about all the blessings we receive, and we talk about how great our lives are. And there are Christians who go on and on about how Christ has given them riches beyond measure. And when they say riches, they don't mean what God has given them on the inside. They're talking about all the things they've received on the outside. As a matter of fact, I hear Christians sometimes say, if you put your trust in Jesus, he will make you rich. And they mean you will get monetary riches. Nowhere in the scriptures, nowhere in the scriptures does it say that. But somehow, when they look at the word of God, they distort it because they want to see Jesus in their image rather than Jesus in the image of God. So when they look at Paul, they look at Paul as one who has a horrible life. He spends his life in and out of prison. Obviously, he's not blessed by God. But Paul, because of the grace of God, sees his life as filled with purpose and meaning and filled with riches beyond measure because God loved him. 
And he realizes that when he suffers for Christ, he suffers in such a way that brings blessing to others and shows the world how powerful our God is. You see, we miss it. We think God's power is when he overcomes uh, all the problems in our lives. Instead, Jesus says his power is revealed when he comes to us in the midst of our problems and gives us the strength to proclaim his love and his goodness in the midst of it. That's grace. Look at this. Surely he took up our pain. He bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and his, by his wounds we are healed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, listen very carefully. Look again. He bore our pain, our suffering. It was our iniquities. It was our ugliness that he took. When people looked at him and saw how, how he suffered in pain, that was because of our ugliness, our brokenness, our guilt, our shame. When you look at the glory of God, look at the cross and you begin to see it's our, uh, our brokenness, our hurt, our fear, our loneliness that put him on the cross so that his life could be at work in us. You see, he took all those things for us. He took our pain. He, he, he took our sorrow. He took our fear. He took our guilt. And he took it to the cross, and there it was defeated. So that when we face the trials of life, when we look at our lives and we see the ugliness in our lives, we can experience his grace where he comes and he begins to remove that ugliness from us and replace it with that beauty of his grace. Look at the cross with me. Remember that cross? He hung there. That's where we see the glory of God. And there were two others hung, hung there. You remember those two? There was one who looked at Christ and said to him, if you are who you say you are, save us and yourself. He, see, he still saw Jesus as the rest of the world did. Do what's best for you and for me. Save yourself. Remove yourself from this suffering. Make it all better. That's what I want. I don't want this suffering now. He didn't understand who Christ was and the grace that Christ was offering. But the other guy, you remember the other guy? The other guy looked at Jesus. Well, he looked at the other thief first. And he said, don't you get it? We're getting what we deserve. But he's done nothing wrong. And then he looked at Jesus and he said, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He got it. You see, he understood he didn't deserve to be forgiven. He didn't deserve all those things to be removed from him. He didn't deserve to be uh, brought into the kingdom of the Almighty God. But Jesus died for him. And in that last moment, when there was nothing else he could do, he simply asked Jesus to forgive him. And Jesus said, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. That's grace. 
unmerited favor. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. You can't do anything to be forgiven. You can't do anything to change what you've done in the past. But Jesus has died to take all that from you that you might be forgiven, that that guilt load that you've been carrying around can be thrown aside. And you can say, I believe that Jesus died for me and therefore I live for him. I have experienced grace. It's an incredible gift for which you can't help but give thanks. I I hope this Thanksgiving you remember every day that Jesus loved you so much. He died for you and he has set you free to serve him. At the biennial we sang this song. I loved it. Uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Think about that. That's what grace does. That's what grace does. You have to look at Jesus. Look at him. Nothing that, nothing that would draw you to him. Except for that grace that he offers you. So we want to see the grace of God in the face of Jesus. Because if you don't experience grace, then you can't give thanks for grace. But if you experience grace, you experience something really awesome. Because you see, the Spirit of God and His grace comes to live within you. And though you are a broken pot on the outside, you're just certainly an earthen vessel, the Scripture says. You are nothing but a crackpot. Somebody was awake. Good. You're nothing but a crackpot. But the good news is, The outside is weak and fragile. Your humanness cannot bring you uh, the joy that God has for you. But when the grace of God lives within you, it's like being filled with steel. And all those things that Christ did for you now make you powerful. Look look what it says. It says, our... Sorry. (laughs) Get with it here, Waldo. It says... We are hard-pressed, but not crushed. You see, he was crushed for our iniquities. We're hard-pressed. We're not crushed because we have the grace of God in our lives. It says we are perplexed, but not in despair. You see, we didn't understand, but he did. And when he comes into us, we know we need not despair because we know that his grace is at work within us. It says that we are persecuted, but not abandoned. We know that when people laugh at us, mock us, when people persecute us for our faith, we can simply say, yeah, but the grace of God is within me. And what you say does not change who I am, but what he says changes me. And I'm not abandoned. He is within me. It says that we are struck down, but not destroyed. The power of God, the power of God's grace changes us. On the inside. No longer just fragile clay jars. But powerful instruments of the grace of God. I think of Peter. You remember Peter, don't you? 
Do you remember Peter uh, in chapter 16 of the book of Matthew? Uh, for those of you who've been on Wednesday nights, you, you, you'll remember we've been studying Matthew. And in chapter 16, you remember that Peter proclaimed Jesus the Messiah, uh, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, that's right, Peter. And on that, on that confession, I'm going to build my church. And Peter felt pretty good about that. And then Jesus began to talk about how he was going to have to suffer and die. And on the third day, be raised again. And, and that wasn't in the disciples' plan. See, that wasn't in the playbook the way they understood it. And, and so Peter pulls Jesus aside. You remember that? And Peter says, Jesus, never, Lord, he says, this shall never happen to you. Now, why didn't Peter want that to happen to Jesus? Can you imagine what would happen if Jesus were crucified? What then might happen to his disciples? And you remember, don't you, when he was crucified, where was his disciples? They were hiding. Why were they hiding, Kenny? They were afraid. They were afraid that if Jesus got crucified, they might be crucified. And that fear grips them, and it grips Peter. No, Lord, that can't happen. If that happens to you, what might happen to me? And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. We'll have none of that talk here. I'm paraphrasing. We'll have none of that talk here. You have only the things of man in mind. I have the things of God in mind. We must do what will bring the grace of God into our world. And Peter didn't get it then. But when Jesus died and rose again from the dead, all of a sudden Peter realized that if God could do that, then it doesn't matter what happens in his life. If he would just take that grace and begin to share it, perhaps the world would be changed. He was changed. Peter was changed because of God's grace. And you remember also, don't you, that Peter had denied Jesus. And after Jesus rose again, Jesus came to Peter and reinstated, we call it reinstated, Peter, not that Peter ever lost the love and grace of God, but he made that grace so clear to Peter. Listen very carefully. When you allow the grace of God to come into your life, your life begins to change. Because all of a sudden the fear that, that bound you begins to be released because you realize that if Jesus loves you that much, that he's going to watch over you, and you need not fear anything. People may come and attack you. You need not be afraid. Peter was transformed. And does anybody know how Peter died, according to Eusebius? Uh, yeah. The, the historian Eusebius says that, um, that Peter asked them to crucify him upside down because he didn't feel he was worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord. And if you're crucified upside down, which direction are you looking? You're looking up. And I, I can just imagine some of the saints in glory. Peter got it. Peter figured it out. It wasn't about Peter, it was about Jesus. That grace that God had given Peter was not just for Peter. It was for everybody Peter met. You see, grace changes us so that, not just so that we are better people, not just so that we feel good about ourselves, not just so that we're set free from fear, but 
Grace changes us so that we begin to want to share with others that incredible grace that God has given us. We want that grace to flow right through us. When we see others, we treat others with the grace that God, that God has given us. And remember, grace is unmerited favor, right? In other words, if you're going to have be a grace-filled person, you're going to treat others with a grace that, that's not based on what they do. That means when those others who would hurt you and persecute you and make fun of you, those others who have attacked you, those others who have taken away from you something that you thought was very valuable, the question is, can you treat them with the same kind of grace that God has given you? Are you willing to share that grace? The Apostle Paul says this, if you believe, speak. Speak grace into the lives of others. Jeff Johnson was at the biennial. And uh, if you know Jeff, uh, Jeff is just filled with the Spirit of God. And he, there's nothing he likes more than to share with someone else the love of Jesus. I mean, he, he just, I mean, it just kind of flows over, you know. Um, and and he's, he started this whole process of going out to eat and talking to the server uh, before uh, they serve the meal and asking them, is there anything I could pray for you about? And, and he has a number of powerful stories. So at the biennial, uh, he encouraged people to do that. And then when we came back together in the evening, um, we shared stories. And, and my favorite story was the, the, the group that went to this restaurant. And this lady came up to serve them. And of course, they had prayed that God would send the server which, to whom they could share the most grace. And the server came up, and, and she began to take their order. And they said, listen... Um, is there anything we could pray for you about? And she had some financial, deep financial issues that was just weighing her down. And, and they said, oh, we, we'd love to pray for you. And, and then one of the people looked at her and said, I know you. I can't place you, but I've seen you somewhere. And the server got a big smile on her face. Because you see, we have many meals at the Biennial Conference Center itself. And she also worked at the conference center and had served this same person a meal at the conference center. So, so God had placed this person in her life twice, not realizing it. And all of a sudden, the, this person had this horror moment and thought, how were you received as a server at the biennial. You see, it's one thing when you go out and say, okay, I'm going to try to be a person of grace when I go out. But but we were kind of all together, and, and, and she smiled, and she said, it's the nicest group I've ever had to deal with. She said, as a matter of fact, we've been listening in to the speakers, and we've experienced, she didn't put it this way, but it was clear she'd experienced the presence of God already. And they grabbed her hand, and they began to pray for her. And a number of them gave her their email address and their phone numbers and then they, after she left and, and they were getting ready to pay the bill, it was a place where it was kind of a buffet thing. They'd, they had to pay when they went in, something like Haas's or something like that. And it came time to leave the tip. 
Well, they had prayed that God would meet her need. (laughs) Always watch what you pray. (laughs) And so they took up a collection amongst themselves. What what can we give this young lady who, um, who is in such desperate need? She's working three jobs. And they put together $140 and left it as a tip on top of the tip that was already included in the bill. And they said, we just want you to know that God loves you and this is from him. And that's grace. That's grace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the world is watching. We claim that Jesus has died for us and forgiven us and has given us this great gift. We give thanks often that he has mercy on us and when we, when we screw up, he forgives us. And we can't thank him enough. Even when we don't deserve it, he comes and he says, I still love you. I still forgive you. It's going to be okay. And he picks us up and he says, it's going to be okay. And yet when someone offends us, how do we respond? If you really want to give thanks to God this year for the grace that he has offered you, share that grace with one another. Share that grace with everyone you meet. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give. Give that grace. If you've never accepted the grace of God into your life, I want you to know that he offers that to you. You say, well, I'm not good enough. When I get better, uh, I'll ask him, no, no, no. You'll never be good enough. None of us are good enough. I'm not good enough. But he freely offers you the gift of forgiveness. He freely offers to come into your life and change you so that you can live free from guilt and sin. All you have to do is ask. Ask him to forgive you and he will. He promised to do that. That's an incredible gift of grace that he offers you today. If you've received that grace... You have been blessed beyond measure. And certainly you should give thanks. And recognize that God is transforming you to be more and more grace-filled. Not for yourself, but so that others could see grace in you. One last thing and then I'm done. We're in the midst of an election. I know, I, I hate to remind you. You thought, oh, I had an hour not to think about it. I watch what's being said. I watch, unfortunately, what I see being said by some believers. And it has no grace in it anywhere. We can have differing opinions. That's okay. But if we don't have grace, if we don't share grace, how will the world ever know. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the grace that you've given us. Grace that we could never earn. Grace that comes through your incredible love to us. That we don't have to live a life like we've been living. A broken life. A life without hope. A life without joy. Lord, 
we face many struggles in this world, and yet you offer us that incredible life-transforming grace that fills us with joy even in the midst of the darkest moments. Lord, I believe there are people here that have never received that grace. Oh, they may have come to church for a long time. They may be doing the religious thing. Lord Jesus, pray this morning that, that they would open their lives to you. That they would ask you to come in and remove the guilt that they've been carrying around. That this morning, Lord Jesus, they would open up their hearts and, and ask you to remove the anger frustration, the fear, Lord Jesus, that they would ask you to come in and save them. Thank you for saving us. Lord, transform us. Make us people filled with grace, that your grace might be visible through the cracks in our pots, that your grace might be visible to those who have never experienced grace, that, Lord, they would see you in us, that we could share with them, that we could offer them the grace that you've given us. Thank you, Jesus, for this season where we can give grace to others. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.